Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. On the night of December 10th and into the early hours of December 11th, there was a series of tornadoes that tore through several states, Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Illinois. You probably saw images on the news. 59 verified twisters have touched the ground. One tornado was said to be on the ground for 165 miles. We've seen images of devastation, including several towns in western Kentucky. Not long after this, Chelsea Eamon, who lives here in Cincinnati, stepped out of her house and saw a photo lying in her yard. And she looked, and it was a high school homecoming photo printed with the school name and the date, 2006. She looked up the name of the school and was shocked to discover it was Hartford, Kentucky, over 200 miles away from Cincinnati. She thought, there's no way a photo blew all the way here from there. But she posted on social media, got connected with the owner of the photo, who was indeed 200 miles away in Kentucky. Alice Baxley St. Clair, the owner of the photo, that was her son there pictured. She said their home was destroyed, but the family was safe, and they've been finding their belongings all over. Here's what Alice said. Our family made it through safe, but our house is ruined. The barn is completely gone, along with over a mile of white vinyl fence my husband put up. Many of our possessions made it and have been recovered. We have an abundance of people to help us. We have been blessed by God. Please note if you or someone you know is looking to donate to a trusted organization to help victims of this tornado, these tornadoes, please see me because know a lot of different people, especially in Kentucky, and I could give you a list of some trustworthy places who could really use the help. Now, there have been places online, just like Chelsea went to find connections and social media. There's a Facebook page called Quad State Tornado Found Items, where people have been posting to connect possessions that were lost back to their owners. Besides an abundance of photos that have been posted there, there's also stuffed animals, there was a quilt, and a business sign, and many cats and dogs reunited with families. One person even posted a photo of a black box and said there was a diamond ring inside. Today, these beautiful stories give us just a bit of hope in the midst of tragedy. We know some losses will never be recovered. Over 90 loved ones had died in the tornadoes. And there are some people who are still injured or missing. But these small moments, they just give a little bit of hope in the tragedy. I'm sure you have your own stories of lost and found items or lost and found people. Sometimes these are great and sometimes they're small. And sometimes, just like the homecoming photo, our losses have an incredible journey attached to them. Today is a story of lost and found when Jesus was age 12 and the details, they give us a little pause and consideration because it's, it's kind of complex, but that's what makes life and faith interesting. 
we are in our journey of the redeemed at the end of our second segment that we've called Crown of Joy, Song of Praise. We're going to read a story together today, the end of Luke chapter 2. Let's read it in full, and then we'll break down all the details. Come join me. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Jesus' parents used to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the feast days were over, they began the journey back, but the boy Jesus remained in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know. They thought he was in the traveling party and went today's journey before looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And so it happened that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was astonished at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were quite overwhelmed. Child, said his mother, why did you do this to us? Look, your father and I have been in a terrible state looking for you. Why were you looking for me? Jesus replied. Didn't you know I would have to be getting involved with my father's work? They didn't understand what he had said to them. He went down with them, came to Nazareth, and lived in obedience to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. So Jesus became wiser and taller, gaining favor both with God and with people. Now from Deuteronomy chapter 16, we read in the law that all the Jewish males were supposed to go to the temple in Jerusalem several times a year for certain feasts. Now that can be tricky if you live far away and you have farm to run or a business to run. And so historians think that if, if any Jewish people were going to choose just one festival, they would pick Passover. Just like there might have been a really big group in this travel party with Mary and Joseph and Jesus Passover was a popular time to go to Jerusalem. So imagine a lot of people gathered. And if you recall from last week, we read about Simeon and Anna, and we talked about the importance of learning from wisdom and then passing it on. And so we, what we read here in scripture is an example of Jesus learning from wisdom. There he was sitting among the teachers of the day. And I can just imagine 20 years later when he's the one passing along wisdom did you remember some of the conversations and debates even that they had that day? Did he have to even confront some of these same teachers when he was an adult? But this lost and found story, as we said, it's going to be a little complex. I want us to look at the different perspectives. First, let's look from Jesus's point of view. What did it feel like in his adolescent life? He's 12 years old. So in his culture, he, you know, lots of people had a bar mitzvah and they would be moving from boyhood to manhood. So this means he's still a child and yet he's starting to make decisions that are going to have adult consequences. Jesus would have spent years learning the Torah, God's word. And now maybe he's eager to discuss, debate it. Jesus makes this choice to stay behind deliberately. It's not like a home alone, left alone kid situation. So that's kind of interesting because if he's trying to follow after God, did, did God want him not to tell his parents? Or would they have said yes if he asked? And we know Jesus lived perfectly, so this was not a sinful choice. But Jesus, think about all this. He's the son of God. He's fully human. He's feeling compelled to be about the father's work. His father. 
And he's striving to listen to God's spirit, leading him, calling him to the next step. Yet he's living in submission to earthly parents in the household where he was placed. It's complex. People debate about Jesus's knowledge and all throughout his childhood. I mean, as the son of God and being fully human, they wonder, you know, when did his mind fully grasp all the things about himself? Like that he was deity. I mean, we said Jesus made a sacrifice by coming to earth as a baby in the first place. He left behind omniscience, omnipotence, all power, all knowing to be placed inside a human womb, to be a vulnerable baby, to be a wobbly toddler. And he's probably playing outside as a kid with other neighborhood kids. And now, now he's an adolescent entering the teen world. Jesus made all this sacrifice and they wonder, we wonder when did all of the knowledge, like if he's growing up as a baby, when did it kind of dawn on him who he was? Did his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, tell him stories every year about encountering Gabriel the angel? I mean, did they talk about this a lot in their house or was it just kind of known? Did his siblings know? I mean, it says he had siblings. So what was that household like? So when did the fullness of everything of Jesus come into his mind? Could it have been at age 12? Maybe into adulthood? Maybe bit by bit it says that he had the spirit with him. God's wisdom and grace was upon him, we read. We don't really know how it all worked. Someday I can't wait to ask him. Hope he tells us lots of great stories. But until then, we just have to see we have to read the stories and just be like, somehow Jesus felt that calling to go be about his father's work. He kept making holy choices because he lived a perfect life. But it was complex. Because now let's look from Mary and Joseph's perspective. So if we're wondering how Jesus' brain was going from childhood to adulthood, imagine their perspective. I mean, did they like kind of compare him with his siblings or with other kids in the neighborhood? Like, is he advanced for his age? Is that just natural? Is God doing this? Is he extra? Is he extra? Who knows? And think about this from a parent perspective, from a caregiving perspective. If you have ever been tasked to watch a child, and if that child gets out of your eyesight, goes missing from your comprehension for a bit, there is panic. I mean, worry, fear, all the what-ifs come to your mind, even if it's just for a moment. Imagine Mary and Joseph's panic. For three days, they don't know where he is. On top of that, are they thinking of all the, oh no, we lost the son of God. Oh no, we just lost the son. We lost God's son. What are we supposed to do? Add to that. I mean, just all the questions. Do you think that, as verse 52 says, Jesus is growing wiser and taller? He's growing both in heart and in height. Are they looking at this man-child and saying, what's next? He's the redemption of Israel. He's redeeming the whole world. What is that going to look like? When will we know as his parents, they must wonder? Will we know a sign? Will we know when it's time to let go or hold tight? When are we supposed to stop and when are we supposed to let him take the next steps? There's so many questions. Not everything was mapped out, I'm sure. What did Jesus' teenage years look like in that household? 
It's complex. I was fascinated after reading through this text that I've read so many times. When I read commentary by one of my favorite authors, N.T. Wright, you've heard me quote him before, I will quote him again. He brought this to my attention in Luke 24. That's after Jesus died and this was at the resurrection. We read this last Easter. We'll read it again this Easter. There were two disciples walking on the road to the town of Emmaus and Jesus appears with them and they're grieving. They have lost things. They've lost a mentor, a teacher, a friend. And Jesus, he keeps pointing out to them what was found. Salvation, he says. He opens up scripture to them. He walks them through the Old Testament that we have in our hands. And he says, look, this had to happen this way. It had to. He explained. And that same word he used there that in the Greek had to is the same word right here at age 12 that he said to his parents, Mary and Joseph, I had to be about my father's work. Had to. There's something there. Because two different pairs of people, they found a different Jesus than what they had lost. He defied their expectations. And N.T. Wright asks, what if Luke is trying to help us see? Quote, finding Jesus, of course, will normally involve a surprise. Jesus doesn't do or say what Mary and Joseph or the two on the road were expecting. It will be like that for us too. Every time we relax and think we've really understood him, he'll be up ahead or perhaps staying behind while we go on without thinking. Discipleship always involves the unexpected. What makes this story complex? It's just what makes it complex for all of us. Growth, expectations of life, family, faith, they can have a lot of lost and founds. Jesus was lost to Mary and Joseph, but he was finding new parts of his identity and purpose. Maybe Mary and Joseph were very concerned about the loss of their authority or loss of control in this incident. Maybe they were worried about the loss of innocence that Jesus was going to be experiencing. But for Jesus, he was finding what it meant to be humble, submissive, patient. Because imagine this. Jesus, if he was gaining all this understanding of who he was and his purpose, now he was going to go back and just live a normal life? He didn't step out publicly for 18 more years after this moment. Can you imagine? He might have had to really dig deep, find the strength to be patient, to just hold himself back a little, pace himself to the Father's plan. When perhaps in certain moments, he'd rather just like sprint ahead, speed fully into the ministry ahead for him. Though that was going to have both pain as well as purpose, but some promise. Jesus likely experienced all the things that we do, that understanding that the more we grow, the more we recognize there's loss in our lives. But hopefully, we also have a better appreciation of the things that we find. I read a post from a friend of mine, Laura Buffington, who serves with the Southport Christian Church near Dayton, Ohio. 
on the morning after those horrible tornadoes, she posted this. The rain calming me on the porch destroyed lives last night. That's quite a perspective that even in tragedy, it's complex. The same things that cause someone to lose peace might be bringing some new peace to someone else. Just like all the lost items that were found 200 miles away, there are some things that we lose that get returned to us, but some things are gone forever. So on this journey, how do we live as the redeemed people of God? Let's recognize that life is complex and acknowledge what is lost and look for what can be found. Maybe you've lost innocence in childhood or adulthood, and instead you were handed trauma and pain and anxiety and fear. Maybe you lost hopes and dreams in it because of somebody else's choices, not your own. Maybe you've lost security or health or finances or even family and friends this year. Here's my hope for you in the new year. I hope you'll find some things. I hope you find the strength to vocalize what was lost. I hope you find in Echo Church a family who will stand with you, walk with you, and believe in you and for you. I hope you find in Jesus a trustworthy person, one who will come alongside you, hold you tight, one who knows you, mistakes and all, and loves you anyway, one who has salvation at hand for you, ready to make your brokenness whole. I hope you find in God, creator, a one who will look at you with every potential and purpose that you have. I hope you find in God, the Holy Spirit with you, a strength to keep living day by unknown day. We're going to step into this new year this week, but we don't do it alone. Together with God, together with one another, let's take that journey. There's some things lost. Let's grieve it together. There's some things that are going to be found. Let's look for them together. Let's hope for them together. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you. Thank you for grieving with us for things that we've lost. Thank you for understanding what that feels like. And we thank you for new things found, for a new purpose, new identities, a new day. Thank you for being with us there also. Amen. Thank you for joining us online only this week. I hope you find rest and peace in your week. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.